Hey, how you doing? It's Pastor Dan and Bethany again. I, I was getting tired of the old <laughs> It was so informal and fun. <laughs> I know, but I, I'm beginning to think maybe that, you know, the we welcome change it up back a to another episode of Knowing God. It just, I'm yeah. trying to mix it up a little bit. So, yeah, this is Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh Church in Jasper, Indiana. And uh, I am Pastor Dan, and that's Bethany over there, my beautiful daughter, and we're working on uh, reading through and talking about C.S. Lewis's classic, The Great Divorce. It's a really good book, and, 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 and I'm excited about going through it because each time I look at it, it gives me greater insight into things, which I think is what our friend Jack really was brilliant at. Um, so anyway, we are doing uh, chapter three right now, chapter four. I'm sorry, episode five, chapter three, four. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. This no. is chapter four. This is chapter four. And I don't know what episode number it is. Because it's episode I, five because okay. I'm one ahead. Okay. Because I did I, one I without you. Say, I think I lose track of the actual episode number. Well, and, and one of our favorite listeners, Jenny, reminded me a long time ago of how important it is to keep the episode number straight. You know, because it helps the people who are dialing them up after the fact yeah. to, to figure out where they are, where they left off. Definitely. So, you know, uh, that's why we do it. So anyhow, we are reading The Great Divorce, Chapter 4. I got my rights. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to be hearing this uh, a couple of weeks from now, but we're recording it on Friday, March 13th. The ghosts are completely out of their element now. They've gotten off the bus. They're venturing into this mysterious foreign land that we know as heaven. And they're confronted with solid people from heaven. And, you know, uh, being thoroughly British, Jack doesn't want to intrude and, and uh, in, inadvertently overhear conversations between the various solid people and their gray guests. And yet this one big man keeps following him and then the spirit that's trying to reach out to the big man follows him and so in the end jack can't help but overhear this conversation between the solid person who is trying to interact with the big man mm -hmm. and uh i just i love the way the spirits of the the solid people they all speak to the gray people in such a gentle way mm -hmm. you know um and there's nothing confrontational about them there's nothing challenging and and you know there's this one quote here that you know basically the big man is saying you know i got my rights and then and you know and i don't want no charity and everything and then and then his his solid friend says then do at once ask for the bleeding charity everything else here is for the everything here is for the asking and nothing can be bought you know it's just it's just like like it's a it's like an anti-life mm -hmm. <laughs> it's anti-world you know it, it's like everything that the gray world is not yeah and and the big man can't wrap his mind around it so so talk about the appearance of the solid uh, spirit who is approaching the big man what have you what do you learn about what sort of man the spirit was when he lived on earth and what was his relationship with the big man 
So the spirit is Len. His name is Len. And he he was like an associate of some kind of the big man or the big ghost. Um, and he doesn't seem like he was a real, real nice person on earth. Um, because according to the big man, Lynn murdered a friend of theirs named Jack. Right. Um, and it kind of annoys the big man to find Lynn in heaven. But yeah, Lynn, Lynn seems very happy and cheerful and gentle, like you said, in heaven, but all the big man can think is, you were a jerk when I knew you, and, and you murdered her. Yeah. So, Yeah. that's kind of where, like, where it starts. That's another thing, you know, I mentioned in our previous episode that Jack is a, uh, you know, not not like a flowery writer, but but he gets his point across. And I love how he says that this Len is, there's something so cheerful and youthful about him that it just makes you want to dance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's really cool. And so you mentioned Jack, who I'm confusing things with. Yes. Our use this of is not our C.S. Jack. Lewis's nickname, Jack. But the Jack was the one that Len murdered. Mm-hmm. And so... What happened to Jack? What's become of him? He's in heaven, too. He's in heaven, too. And it really bugs the big man when he finds out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, he, he's really frustrated because he doesn't get how he could be in the gray town and Lynn could be in heaven when he murdered Jack. And then Lynn says, well, Jack's here, too. Yeah. And I can take you to see him. Um, but that really kind of just sticks in the big man's craw. It doesn't. Yeah, and and the big man is one of the more intriguing characters that I, uh, I mean, I the the whole story is great, but I I can so identify these characters in in my experience. It, the big man is like Christians who go to church all their lives and sit in a meeting with the pastor and tell the pastor that we want to give out Thanksgiving dinners with turkeys, but we want to make sure that they go to deserving people. You know, the big man is like people in churches who donate their money to the church, but designate exactly where they want it to go. Mm -hmm. And the big man is like people in churches who, uh, you know, don't approve of certain people and don't think that they should have the same rights as as those who are determining that. So the big man is somebody who is actually offended when he gets to heaven because someone got in. Yeah. That they didn't think should get in. That, I, yeah. I mean, somebody that he didn't approve of. And when I when I watch this or read this in my mind, I watch it, you know, and I just think, my gosh, I've met so many people like that in church. Mm-hmm. They are like the Pharisees, but they're actually worse, uh, you know. And and it's really what what Jack. C.S. Lewis is saying here so plainly is you might find yourself standing outside of heaven and preferring hell because you don't want to be a part of a heaven that would let people like them in. Mm-hmm. 
which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And the message of the gospel is clear. Nobody earns their way in. No one deserves hell more than another, and no one deserves heaven more than another. Yep. <laughs> it's it's a pretty amazing thing. I, I can I can get pretty worked up thinking about that because it's something that I've encountered a lot. There've been a lot of those big men in my spiritual or my my pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. So the big man can't accept the fact that Len can admit such a serious crime so easily, and that things are all right now. I mean. Len says, yeah, you're right. I did it. And I'm sorry. I repented mm -hmm. and I was forgiven. Yeah. You well, know? and what I love about this part is that Len goes deeper. Like he doesn't just stop at, yeah, I murdered a person. He says like, yeah, I, I, I murdered Jack and that was really bad, but I did way worse things throughout my life. I like, he, he says something about murdering the big man every day yeah. in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And how, like, so he just like lays it all out. Yeah. And it really bugs the big man, which is kind of interesting because the guy is admitting his wrongs. And he's also demonstrating that the only way into heaven is through complete transparency yeah. about yourself. Yeah. That you can't hold anything back because that's pride. Mm -hmm. And pride's what separates you from God. So when you look at Mark three twenty-eight and 29... What are the sins that Jesus tell the Pharisees? Uh, well, let me rephrase that. For which sins did Jesus tell the Pharisees that we can be forgiven? He says, truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. So there is an unforgivable sin. Now read Hebrews ten twenty six to 29. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy th as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Isaiah 5.20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So this question is one that I sought to answer for my own good decades ago, and it comes up a lot with church people, and that is, what's the unforgivable sin? I don't want to commit it, so how am I supposed to know you know, and the answer is, is to deny the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is in this case. And, and it's, it's a universal thing I'm saying, but, but in this case, it's best to understand that the Holy Spirit is truth, the absolute source of all truth. And there are absolute truths. And so to deny the Holy Spirit is to deny truth. And so what's the big man doing? He's denying that Len is forgivable. Mm-hmm. He's denying that Len's repentance was sufficient for salvation. He's denying the truth that comes from the Holy Spirit. And Len is standing there speaking the Holy Spirit's truth to, to the big man. And the big man can't accept it. So that denial is what's going to keep him out of heaven. He's actually not being prohibited from heaven. It's not like the unforgivable sin 
is is like you're you're you know it, it in other words the way that most humans will interpret that is they'll understand it to mean that if you walk in front of the gates of heaven and try to get in that there's some angel there with a with a big old blade saying no you can't come in because you committed the unforgivable sin and you're going like when how do i do? it's not like that at all what he's saying is is you will not go into heaven because of your denial of the truth. Because you, you won't recognize it. You're, yeah. you're blind to it. Like, you, you don't recognize God. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, uh, one of my favorite, like, like probably my favorite Twilight Zone. And actually, the best Twilight Zones, in my opinion, uh, they were all good, I think. But the ones that I liked best were the ones that were written by Earl Hamner, who wrote um, the Waltons, you know, or what became the Waltons. And he was the voice that you heard on the Waltons TV show back in the 70s narrating, you know. Mm -hmm. But Earl Hamner wrote episodes of Twilight Zone before the Waltons was ever even a thing. Uh, he wrote The Homecoming, which was the Christmas uh, Christmas movie that the, was based on the Waltons and became the TV show. But anyway, he wrote this one about this old country fella, this, this, this uh, you know, kind of hillbilly guy and his wife and, and the old man and his hunting dog go out for one you know, one night for a coon hunt and he never comes back and he, uh, he's died, but he doesn't know it. And he's got his dog with him. And once he finally realizes he's died, he's walking along this fence and he comes to a gate and there's this really nice, charming fella that, uh, is saying, well, you've made it fella. You, you've gotten your friend, you've gotten to heaven. You, you can come on in, but your dog has to stay out. And the old man says, well, if my dog can't go in with me, I'm not going. So he keeps walking down the fence. And a while later, he comes to another gate and another guy. And and uh, the guy says, uh, welcome, neighbor. You, you found heaven. Come on in. And, and the old man says, can my dog come too? And he said, well, sure he can. Bring him on in. And, and uh, uh, the uh, old man says to him, he says, you know, I met this other, other fellow down there. And, and he said, I could come in, but I couldn't bring my dog. And he says, oh, well, that's the bad man. That's that's the devil. And uh, he won't let you bring your dog into heaven because he knows a smart coon dog, a recognized devil, just <laughs> like, like right away. And, uh, you know, a man will look past something that a dog won't miss. And, and that's, you know, and I just thought, I've always loved that line yeah. because it's, it's like, you know, we can convince ourselves that heaven is hell and hell is heaven. We can convince ourselves that, you know, ain't, it isn't heaven if other people can get in because we know that they don't deserve to be there, but we do. And we can convince ourselves of all of that. And the premise of the Earl Hamner story was just to say, you know, by virtue of his simple loyalty <laughs> and basic instinctive judgment a dog has a better idea of when he's at the gates of heaven than a human does and i think that's a clever idea you know um if my dog doesn't like you I don't that's like right you. i've always said if your dog or your small child likes me i'm probably not a bad person so deathbed confessions often bring out the self-righteous doubters who question whether those who commit heinous crimes will be allowed into heaven upon true repentance According to Acts 8.3, Acts 9.1, and 1 Corinthians 15.9, how would a repentant Paul, formerly Saul, respond to those self-righteous doubters? 
Well, Acts 8.3 says, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. 9.1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. In 1 Corinthians 15.9, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So... I know that Paul called himself the chief among sinners. That's right. Um, That's his word of repentance. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't really know what else to say. But. Well, that's just it. And and there were there were a lot of. I always think of uh, uh, the guy that Ananias. No. Not Ananias. That's he. He and Sapphira got in trouble. Uh, anyway, the, the the Jew, the Christian Jew that was sent to take care of Paul, and he's like, uh, "Lord, wait a minute." Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just forgot his name, but uh, anyhow, it it's all right. It's just it, you know he had a moment there where he had to be supremely Christian because everything in him said I shouldn't trust this guy. You know, uh, yeah. Um, I've, I've told the story before, maybe even on this podcast at, at different times, but I remember the very first funeral I ever had to do as a pastor was for a man who died uh, serving a life sentence in um, Indiana's maximum security prison. And uh, he had been there since the late 1960s, and he lived out his remaining days in prison for murder, for murdering a police officer, actually. And, uh, but his family assured me that somewhere along the way he'd become a Christian and that he read the Bible all the time. And they asked me to give him a Christian funeral and mm -hmm. I did. And I remember the funeral director saying, I can't believe you gave that guy a Christian funeral service and told everybody he was a believer because I know the, I knew I was friends with the copy murdered, you know, and all this. And, and all I could say was, is, you know, I understand how you feel, but you know, uh, Man spent half a lifetime in prison suffering the consequences of his actions, and he had more time on his hand than you and I do. And if he had time to study scripture and pray and be with the Lord, then there's a very real possibility that he genuinely converted. And God can forgive what society won't. And I remember the funeral director saying, well, I guess you're right. You know, and I just, that's that's the story right there, yeah. you know, I mean... That man was Len. And, yeah. You know, he was Len. So how does Galatians 3.20 help us understand Len's response to the man's question about whether he is ashamed of himself? And how does Jesus say we should approach our past sin? So first we'll look at uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's exactly what Len was saying to the big man. Yep. And in Luke 9, uh, 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so, what does Jesus want us to understand about our approach to past sin? It's in the past. That it's past, yeah. You know, if if you have been forgiven... You're not bound by it. 
You gotta keep your eyes forward. Be a human doing, not a human being. So, managed to squeeze that one into three episodes now. So, what's the big man's concept of a decent person who should be allowed in heaven? Well, he says that, like, it's somebody who was quote-unquote good Mm -hmm. all their life. Um... Like he he is not religious, but he know he feels like well I never did anything bad, so. And and he says he worked hard, which you know, I think a lot of people focus on works based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and why did Lynn try so hard to get the big man to stop going along that line of thinking? Because well, like Lynn points out that if that's his line of thinking, he didn't achieve it. Yeah. Like, he thinks he achieved it, but Lynn points out, like, the big man was not kind to his employees. And Lynn was an associate of his. And he was not kind to his family. And Lynn points out that he's super prideful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which means that he's he's finding it basically impossible. Yeah, the big man is self-righteous, and he thinks he's morally superior to Lynn. And he's convinced of his own goodness, and he sees no reason to repent. And there again, that's denial of the Holy Spirit. It, it to, to, well, it is on one level, but you know, it really just boils down to the fact that if you can't recognize that you're not righteous, not righteous enough, you may be able to point out that your life had more virtue than another person's life. But you are never so virtuous that you're perfect in God's sight. Yeah. And according to 1 John 1, 8 to 10, if we claim to be good and that we have not sinned, what do we make God out to be? Well, false, lying, you know, like the... Yeah. It... If well, we're humanizing God. Yeah, well, like, well, that's what I mean. Like, we're giving him, we're putting the blame for everything on him. Right. So the stuff that we are doing wrong, like lying about our sin, we just blame him for. Yeah. So you already mentioned this, but the murder, according to Len, was not the worst thing that he ever did. What was? He says, well, he tells. The big man that he murdered the big man many right. times in his mind or in I think he says in his heart. Um, he says like he used to lie awake at night and think about all the things he would do to the person if he could like. Mm-hmm. And so he says that's way worse. And he says that like committing an actual murder. That like that was sort of his wake up call. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to fantasize about those kinds of things, which is really a sin. But uh, once you actually follow through on them, you either crave more, or you realize how horrible it was to even fantasize about it. Mm-hmm. So Len does his best to persuade the big man to acknowledge his faults, but the big man wants no part of a heaven that allows murderers to become citizens. He is only interested in getting justice, or what he perceives he is owed, not any bleeding charity. 
Although this is a noble-sounding trait on earth, what problems does it cause with getting into heaven? Well, it's pride again. Yeah. Just like the tousle-haired poet from a while back. Mm-hmm. Being full of yourself is going to be the biggest block. And he thinks... He thinks... The irony is that he thinks heaven screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Boy Which God. is what's stopping him from getting into heaven. So he either doesn't think this is really heaven, or he thinks that God is imperfect in some way yeah. and has made a mistake. Yeah. In either case, he's judging the situation through his own pride. Yeah. And again, I see this, like I said, the big man is a character that I have encountered a lot in church ministry. So what I'm saying is, is there are a lot of big men going to church, and they are women too. And they all have the same thing in common. Everything's based in their sensibilities. They feel like they have a right and a responsibility to uh, execute the judgment that they've been given. And that it's coming from their, their sensibilities. And that's why we have to operate according to the guidebook, which is the Bible, instead of by our own instincts. Because our instincts are flawed. Yeah. So how does Len's invitation for the big man to ask for the bleeding charity and that everything is here for the asking and nothing can be bought parallel with Ephesians 2, 8 to 9? Well, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Yep. <laughs> So, one of the hardest. The big man's root. Sorry. Go ahead. No. I was just gonna say the big man. He's not gonna be able to do it because getting in would mean listening to Lynn, mm -hmm. and he's already decided that he will not yeah. because Lynn's a murderer, and that's it. Doesn't matter what else Lynn is, and it's just, I don't. It just all comes back to pride and. Boasting in your works. And... and this is such a foundational problem that it has separated huge bodies of, quote, Christians, end quote, mm -hmm. throughout centuries. Because one of the reasons we have variations in denominations and so forth is because some people don't believe in the same kind of grace as others. You know, and... and uh, you know, we have everything from predestination and, and, and pure grace. And uh, some people believe grace is so pure that even those who uh, have not accepted Christ as the Lord and, and Savior are going to get saved too because that's just how perfect God's grace is, that he's just going to let everybody in and there will be no yeah. discipline. And yet, if you did that, then your grace is making a fool of Jesus. Then mm -hmm. what's the point in having a savior? What's the point in the crucifixion? Yeah. If there is no punishment. So, you know, grace is the order is the order of things here. You must understand that the only way you get into heaven is by God's grace, and the only way that you're going to receive that grace is by humbling yourself, repenting of your sin, and accepting that grace. Mm -hmm which this man is unwilling to do, and that's going to keep him out of heaven. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, I the, the big man, I, most of these characters I've met in church, but the big man is by far one of the most perplexing characters you run into in church. And I can tell you that right now, in this very moment, 
There are churches all over the Midwest that are going to close and they're going to die because all their members aged out. And the reason that they're going to die, these churches, one of them I served. One of the churches I served is now being turned into an apartment or something. And it is a church where everybody was so sure they were doing church right and they knew exactly what it was all about, that there was nobody left after they all died off. And so it was vacated because they were all gone. And and this is happening all over the country, especially here in the Midwest, because so many people have been raised in a religious Christian culture that suggests that they have cornered self-righteousness and and so there's no grace and there's no repentance and there's no uh uh there's no you know force like the holy spirit driving them to seek others with the message of grace and it's just it's heart rending mm-hmm. so anyway that would be chapter 4 and, and the big man got back on the bus at the end he did he got on the bus. Would not stay in a place where he was being treated poorly and where bad people were let in. So he left. So, yep, it's the old, don't you know who I am? And I'm entitled to this and I deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, my mind is boggled by this. So, here we go. We've done it again. We finished another episode. So I guess the best thing to say is, is thank you for listening Mm-hmm. Hope you've learned a few things, thought about a few things. I hope you're not the big man. My guess is you're not, because if you made it all the way through this episode without turning it off, then I'm not talking to the big man or woman. Mm-hmm. Um, we love you. We're just telling you truth in love. And we sure are humbled by your listening to us. So remember, if you want to learn more, you want to connect with us more, you can visit shilohjasper.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-J-A-S-P-E-R.org. Or go to the App Store and look for the Shiloh Jasper app. That's the best way to reach us. Thanks for listening. God bless you. We'll see you again. Bye.